0: We are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. Uh, At First Baptist Church of San Antonio, we do what we call reverse. Reverse for us is one text. One text all week long, one text for all of our services, one text for all of our Sunday school classes. And so when you attend church here, you're gonna get the same text three or four times a week. And so as we were preaching, and this time we're preaching through the book of Daniel, and we are in Daniel chapter four. And we're we're blessed this week because these two sitting next to me had the opportunity, or were supposed to have the opportunity, uh, to preach this week. Now, to my right, this is Blake Coffey. Blake is one of our lay leaders in the church who serves us well as as a deacon, as a Sunday school teacher, and handles just about anything that he can for us. And Blake was set to preach for me this week. I was supposed to be on a prayer retreat this week, which has been postponed, and so Blake was ready. Blake was ready for his sermon, and so we're going to give him an opportunity here in just a moment uh, to speak to that. And then to my left, this is Rick Henderson. Rick is our associate pastor for youth and college, and so we're grateful for Rick. Today was going to be Rick's first sermon ever, and so Rick had been preparing and had been preparing to preach from Daniel 4 and was ready for his first sermon, and now we're here. Now we're here? <laughs> so I, was, I wanted Rick to still have this moment to, to share with us, and so we're going to let Blake and Rick uh, share some thoughts, and then I'm going to conclude us with basically the second half of my would-be sermon for this week. So let's jump into Daniel chapter 4 with Blake and Rick, and I'm going to start with Blake. So Blake, in, in just a minute, or in just about a minute's time, give us um, the flow of your sermon. Where were you going to go with your sermon? What was going to be your main point? Um, How are you going to speak to Daniel chapter 4 this week?
1: Well, Chris, I think it's just like the Lord to to bring this study of Daniel, which for us has been a study of uh, how to trust in the Lord when it feels like the world around us is falling apart. And uh, this curriculum was put together two years ago, as early as two years ago Mm -hmm. by the Baptist uh, press, but it came at a perfect time for us. That's right. Because it really does feel for so many of us like the world's falling apart. And so in this particular passage where uh, Nebuchadnezzar finally comes to grips on in a very personal way with this Hebrew God and his world falls apart and the kingdom around him uh, is uncertain, Uh, My takeaway from this passage was to ask, what was Daniel doing in the midst of all of this uncertainty? What was Daniel's role as King Nebuchadnezzar was was humbled and was rendered temporarily insane with this psychological disorder for for seven periods of time, whatever that ends up being, seven years or seven seasons or whatever? I just couldn't help but ask what was daniel doing during that time because to me that's what's instructive for us as a church Mm -hmm. i i love that we have pivoted so quickly and we've learned to to connect with one another and to worship together and to do this together i think that's so important uh, so good for us um, and and good for our community but but you know we're watching we're, we're trying to understand what's coming, uh, where are we headed with this quarantine? If we believe the CDC's numbers, then we're only at the very front end of this and it could get pretty bad. And And the question is, in the midst of all this certainty, what was Daniel doing? In the midst of all this uncertainty, what should we be doing? And I think my takeaway here is back to in this in this vision, the stump of the tree that was left was was protected by this iron and, yeah. and bronze band that, That's right. that preserved the kingdom, that, that lovingly preserved the kingdom until they got through this time of uncertainty. And, and I feel like, wasn't Daniel surely one of the ones making sure that everything was preserved, everything was ministered to, the needs were being met. There wasn't this attitude on Daniel's part of, I told you so, why didn't you listen to me? Rather, I think Daniel was loving with compassion Nebuchadnezzar and this society to get them through this uncertain time. And my takeaway here is, isn't that the role of the church? Isn't that our job to be? loving and be compassionate and whatever this next iteration of this uncertainty looks like to be salt and light in our communities
0: amen that's that's perfect blake thank thank you now rick to you so this is going to be your first sermon here you're going to preach to the church and i'm sure you're going to preach boldly (laughs) now as you as that sermon was unfolding how was
2: daniel 4 unfolding for you Daniel was unfolding. I had this ready with this being my first sermon to be your typical three points in a poem. Yep. So my three points that I wanted to go through here were the truth, the, the tree, and the trial. So I wanted to look at these three different aspects. And I even texted Scott Lane on Friday. I read his blog on the everydayprayer.org and read about the truth and I said, if I was actually preaching this week, I would have to go through and rechange what I was gonna preach on the truth about because of the way he wrote that. So I recommend going and reading that. Um, hey, and
0: way to plug the Everyday Prayer blog. Well done, I, well done, I'm sir. I'm trying
2: to, trying to help us out here. So <laughs> we had that, and then we have the, the truth, which I think of uh, the, the truth, and we have the trial, which we'll probably get into in a little bit. But what I wanted to really focus in on was the tree. And when we have this tree here, it really echoes Genesis 1 through 11 terminology. And we have Genesis 1 through 11 looking here. First of all, we see a garden and a tree and growing up reaching the heights in the heaven where pride is affiliated, where a man wants to become like a God. That's the exact problem that we had with the original garden, the original tree, is that man wanted to be like God. Mm -hmm. And so they ate from the tree. And then we have the Tower of Babel reaching up into the heavens. Mm -hmm. The same tree that we see in this dream is reaching up into the heavens and in that dream, we see this, once again, men trying to make themselves like God in the Tower of Babel, Nebuchadnezzar trying to make himself like a God here yeah. in this passage as well. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. very much echoing this Genesis 1 through 11, all the way here into Daniel as well. Yeah, that's
0: good, Rick. That's good. Yeah. So one more thing, Blake, from you, how, how do we get from Daniel chapter 4 to the gospel? How, how does Daniel 4 take us into who Christ is and what Christ did?
1: more and more uh, when I talk about the gospel message in our current culture, uh, I talk about, I start off talking about the brokenness of the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And have we, have any of us in our lifetime ever more closely experienced the brokenness of this world Mm -hmm. than where we are right now in the middle of quarantine? Uh, And so the fact that we live in a broken world, uh, it it creates this tension and this stress And, and I think as I've been looking around and watching social media and just listening to what's going on around us, I think that, that the vast majority, for me, of our anxiety, of our stress, of our tension that most of us are feeling right now is we're trying to figure out what the truth is. We're trying to figure out who can we listen to and know truth. That's right. And, and in, in the midst of broken circumstances and a broken world, I think that's always going to be Uh, the big question is where do I find truth and and, and in this story in this Bible story Nebuchadnezzar was blessed to have been given from Daniel the truth that he could rely on when the rest of the kingdom was no doubt wondering what in the world is going on and what's happened with our king and who can we trust and who do we believe and we can't trust our media anymore, we can't trust the government anymore, we can't trust anybody. Where do we find truth? Well, Nebuchadnezzar knew where he could find truth. He did. He found it from the Word of God because Daniel gave it to him. That's right. And so, for me, the gospel iteration of this story is in the midst of a broken world where we can find truth is right here. That's right. In the Word of God. Amen. It's, it's been tried and found true and, and found flawless for thousands of years by a billion or so people. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's the message. I think the message for us, the gospel message is this is truth. You can, you can yeah. take this to the
0: bank. You can rely on this. Amen. Amen. Now, Rick, so you're, you're our pastor for youth and college. So how does Daniel chapter 4 relate to teenagers?
2: I'm sitting here, I, think, I don't think teenagers are really at the same level of King Nebuchadnezzar. And I think that they're not sitting at home saying, how can I become like God? How can I be more like a God? I don't think that's their necessarily mindset behind this. But they are still saturated with pride and the accomplishments. We look at Nebuchadnezzar here, and the way he said this was, look at what I have done. Look at the things that I have accomplished." And I think that our teenagers specifically are looking here, looking at high school, college, those types of people are looking at GPAs. They're looking at their standardized testing scores. They're looking at their class ranks. They're looking at their sports accomplishments, their musical accomplishments. They're looking at these different things saying, look at what I have done. Look at how good I am. Look at these different things that I have accomplished. Now, those things aren't in themselves bad. Those aren't bad things to be prideful in. It is good to have a sense of accomplishment and a sense of pride in yourself for doing good things. Where it becomes difficult is when we, when we expense the gospel, when we expense our time with Jesus for those events, for those things. Because a lot of times we'll just get so disciplined in getting into the Word and getting into things, but then whenever it comes down to, I'll, I need to do my schoolwork, I need to do my practice we can carve out all this time out of our week to do these different things but we begin to to sacrifice mm-hmm. something and what tends to get sacrificed is my quiet time or what tends to get sacrificed is my time of reading the bible instead of sacrificing that time we need to look at what else can we sacrifice in our week what can we focus on the thing comes down to i've talked to so many students this week and they've even said i've loved this quarantine because i've actually had no excuses to read my Bible. Well, the truth is that they never had excuses to begin with. Mm -hmm. They just were choosing what they wanted to sacrifice, but they had set their priorities on something else. And a lot of times those priorities aren't even from themselves, those priorities started somewhere. And that would probably started with their parents. The parents' priorities had set church to be a substandard priority. We, I don't think our parents, once again, would ever say, we're not gonna put God first, but I think what they were saying in this was we need to make sure that my son or daughter gets into the college of their choice. We need to make sure that they get into the college that they're supposed to. We need to have high honors. But the, why were they doing this? What were the reasons for these parents asking these types of questions and putting the priorities not on church and not on God? The reason for asking is that sometimes back down to their own pride. They want themselves to appear like the perfect parent. They want themselves to to look good in the eyes of the circles around them. They want their students, maybe they want their student to follow in some sort of footstep that they were unable to in themselves. It ultimately just comes down to priorities. And what we need most importantly is we need for our parents to set a priority on the gospel. This parents need to be setting the spiritual example in our church. And that's why Danny has done such a great job with our church of building Mm -hmm. this marriage first platform of focusing because that all starts right there. It starts with the marriage and the family. If the parents set the example for what the whole household is going to believe, and when parents begin to ask, what happened with my, with my children, well, ultimately we can look back and say, what example were you setting to begin with? Yeah. What can you do to be setting this example in your heart? Yeah.
0: Amen. Yeah, thank you. And it is a moment to reprioritize, isn't it? Well, thank you, Blake. Thank you, Rick. Um, if you will continue with me and continue and open uh, to Daniel chapter 4, I do want to finish with, with a few words here. Because Daniel chapter 4, as this begins, we see it was a familiar place. It was a place that we should recognize because we've all been there and we all know the story of King David. King Nebuchadnezzar found him in the exact same spot as King David, up on the roof, surveying his kingdom. And, and like King David, King Nebuchadnezzar would, looked out on the horizon, and his eyes went down, and he saw all that was, and within himself this pride swelled up. See, this is similar to David. David looked out over his kingdom, and he looked at the horizon, and from the horizon his eyes went down onto Bathsheba. And he says, look what I can have. There's this moment of pride. It was this moment of, I am something in this. In fact, if you look down with me at Daniel chapter 4, verse 29, uh, 12 months later, as the king, this is King Nebuchadnezzar, was walking on the roof of the royal pab- palace in Babylon, this is what he said Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power for the glory of my majesty? i'm a big deal see this is, this is who nebuchadnezzar thought he was you know there's times and occasions when 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 things go right for us and we start to think this way it's, it's like when you finish mowing the lawn you see the fresh cut lines of grass and you think i've done something and king nebuchadnezzar took that on an entirely different scale See, when he looked out on his kingdom, his eyes met the horizon and went down. He saw things like the supposed hanging garden of Babylon that he, he built for his wife with these towering 75-foot-tall fi- uh, pillars that had lush gardens hanging off of them, waterfalls like people had never seen before. When King Nebuchadnezzar looked out over his kingdom, he saw walls, five miles of walls, and the walls were so wide they had chariot races, four chariots lined up side by side, racing down the walls of Babylon. He said, look at what we have built. Nobody in the world has ever built anything like this. See, King Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man in the world at this time. And that's exactly what came into his mind when he looked out from the roof. He looked out on the horizon and his eyes went down. And see, in that moment, when he was looking out over the city, his eyes went down, God intervened. God interrupted his life as God often does. God told him in that moment, you may have built the greatest city this world has ever known, but God can smush you like an ant with his finger. See, every so often in our lives, we need reminders of who the creator is. And there's no doubt that God is using this coronavirus to remind us of this very thing. We have a creator. See, we are not the Lord of our lives. Our Father, our God in heaven, is the Lord of our lives. And he is the Lord whether we acknowledge it or not. God struck down Nebuchadnezzar, literally sent him out to pasture, and there's different theories on what plagued him as insanity grasped him. But it really doesn't matter. God struck King Nebuchadnezzar with isolation and humiliation. And the only way that isolation and the only way that humiliation was cured was when Nebuchadnezzar took his eyes and he looked out from that pasture and he looked out on the horizon. And instead of his eyes going down, his eyes went up to heaven and he began to praise the name of the Lord God above. And when his eyes went up, when, it, when, his, when his eyes got off himself, when, it, when the pride was set aside and he looked up to God, Scripture says he was cured in that moment. If you look down at verse 34 with me, Daniel chapter 4, verse 34, at that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever." Nebuchadnezzar had been living on a pasture, eating grass, until his eyes went up, until he began to praise the Lord God above. His reason returned, and even still, his kingdom returned. All that was came back when Nebuchadnezzar finally stopped worshiping himself, looked up to God and praised his name. You know, the same thing happened in a study we did not long ago. Remember when Peter walked upon the waters with the Christ. As long as Peter's eyes were fixed upon the Christ, Peter was safe. As long as his eyes were fixed upon the Christ, there was no fear, there there was no drowning. As long as Peter's eyes were fixed upon the Christ, the laws of physics didn't apply. But as soon as Peter's eyes dropped, they went to the horizon and they went down to the, the wind and the waves and the sea. That's when Peter began to sink. See, when, you, when your eyes are fixed upon the Christ, you don't even notice the wind and the waves. In that story, Jesus is just bouncing across the waves like he owns them because he does. And when Peter's eyes are fixed upon the Christ, Peter knows that same freedom. Knows the freedom and the hope of the creator God who is Lord over all of this, Lord over all creation, Lord of the storm, Lord of the waves, Lord of life itself. And so right now in this time of quarantine, we've been fixing our eyes upon a lot of things our phones, our politicians, medicine. We, we have been fixing our eyes upon relationships. We have affixed our lives to the life that we have built, and we have seen cracks in the life that we have built. In fact, we have begun to, to fix our eyes on the chaos of the storm. But if you will, like Peter, or if you will, like Nebuchadnezzar in the second half of this chapter 4, If you will lift your eyes up to heaven, if you will fix your eyes upon Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That is the hope of the gospel. That is the hope of the word of God, that you will know life and you will know it abundantly. When you surrender your life unto Christ and fix your eyes upon the author and perfecter of your faith, Jesus Christ himself. May we all find the Christ in this day of quarantine. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day, for this hour of worship, where we take our eyes and our minds off of ourselves and we look up to the heavens and praise your holy name. Lord, we pray that that would linger and strengthen in the days ahead that Monday would be filled with worship and Tuesday filled with worship. Lord, that we would experience you as our Savior more so than we ever have before. Lord, increase our faith and send your Spirit. And it's in that name that's above every name that we pray. Amen.
1: First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.